But we have been in a, a study, if you've not been with us for a while or you're visiting with us, we've been in a study most of this year. And uh, uh, we've been looking at, at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, spiritual gifts. And we're calling our study Gifted Kids, uh, Embracing, Expressing, and Experiencing the Gifts of the Holy Spirit. We, we want to embrace what God has for us, okay? That means we want to take it in. We want to express it. We want to be able to, to, uh, to, for those gifts to manifest in us. And, and then we want to experience it. Listen, you need for us to be complete in Christ. And so we've been in a study and we've been, we've been working our way through the gifts. We started in Ephesians chapter 4 and we looked at five gifts there. And we are making our way now and have been for the last several weeks through 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're, uh, we're at the place today where we're going to look at the gift of miracles. Paul tells the, the believers, he writes this letter to the, to the church at Corinth, and he tells them in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 1, he tells them to desire earnestly spiritual gifts. In other words, it, it's not a suggestion, folks. It's a command. And this is not something that the Holy Spirit wants us to consider. This is something the Holy Spirit wants us to do. In other words, what he's saying there is passionately go after the gifts with all your heart. Get after it. I mean, that, that's literally what, what that, that passage says. Yet some of the gifts that we are talking about, in fact, all of these gifts produce miraculous results, but, but some of these gifts are things we're not normally used to. Okay, we're, we're, we're somewhat used to with someone who, who has a gift of, of administration or a gift of helps or who has a servant spirit. We're somewhat used to that. We shouldn't be because those gifts are just as supernatural. But some of the gifts that, that we've been looking at and the one we're going to look at today, they produce miraculous things. Now, as a child, for most of my Christian life, I was taught that we were not to seek after signs and wonders and miracles. You ever heard that? If you have, raise your hand. I want to make sure I'm not the only one, okay? I want to drive a nail in that heart today, okay? Just for a moment. I want to give you a couple of verses because I was taught that we're not supposed to seek after signs. We're not supposed to seek after miracles or wonders. And, 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 and I, they always would go to... Matthew chapter 12, 39. They would take the words of Jesus. Jesus was talking to a group of, of scribes. He was talking to a group of, of Pharisees. These were the religious lawyers. These were the, 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 the very conservative Pharisees. And, and they were asking him for a sign. They wanted him to do a trick. Let's just put it in our language. Hey, Kathy and I have... <laughs> I probably don't need to share this, but... We have this little joke we back and forth with each other. And it, it comes from a, a, a Western movie. And you, most of you have probably seen this one time or another. But the cow, one of the, the, the villains begins to shoot at the, at the other cowboy's feet. And he says, dance, dance, cowboy. Well, you know what? That's what the world wants us to do. They want us to perform. And, and sometimes when we see that, we'll just say that to one another. And we'll know what it is. Well, that's what the Pharisees, that's what the scribes were doing that day with Jesus. Hey, Jesus, dance for us. Show us your tricks. 
That's what they were asking for. And, and Jesus responds to them in, in verse 39 in Matthew 12. He says, an evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign. Literally, what that means is they crave for an attesting miracle. Now, I was taught that asking for signs and wonders and miracles were indications of immaturity and weak faith. Did y'all hear that? Okay. Yet, when I read the New Testament, I read something completely different. In Acts chapter 4, verse 29 and 31, this is what the early church prayed. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that thy bondservants may speak thy word with all confidence while you do extend your hand to heal Signs and wonders are going to take place through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And, and it says then, after they had prayed this, that the place where they had gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak the word of God with boldness. Now, what did those Christians pray? Lord, perform signs and wonders. Do your stuff. That's what, that's what they prayed. Lord, we want to see it. The world needs to see that. You know what? I don't think these believers were immature. I don't believe they possessed weak faith. I've not been in very many places where the doorpost shook after you got through with the prayer meeting. Okay? Obviously it shook because God showed up. So what's the deal? You know what? Sometimes when we don't believe, when unbelief takes hold of us, we like to pull statements and pieces of verses, and different things like that out of context. And we like, to, we like to make them the principles by which we're going to live. And that's what happens. We make, we make them support or teach what they don't teach. And this passage, this statement of Jesus does not teach the opposite of what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14.1. Jesus was speaking to unbelievers. He was speaking to unbelieving scribes. He was speaking to Pharisees that didn't believe he was the Messiah, that didn't want anything to do with him, that basically wanted him dead. He wasn't speaking to believers. They were looking for a way to validate their unbelief. And they were looking for a way to rationalize their refusal to follow Jesus. What Jesus said to those unbelievers that day had nothing to do with his followers. Therefore, folks, we are commanded to pursue after spiritual gifts, which may ultimately result in miraculous signs and wonders, things that happen that, that can't be explained. We're told to pursue it. Jesus and Paul were not on two different pages. They were on the same page. Page. So this morning we're going to look specifically at one of the gifts that produces signs and wonders and miracles. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verse 10. It's, it's, it's down, uh, let's see, it's going to be about middle ways of the verse. Well, no, it's not. It's going to be the very first part of the verse. Okay. It's in 1 Corinthians. That's why my note says 10A instead of 10B or C. It says, and to one... The effecting of miracles, literally the effects 
of miracles or works or workings of power or an acts or acts of powers. It's, it's weak. It's not just the ability to do a miracle. It's different abilities to do different kinds of miracles. That's what the gift is. The gift has a plural effect on, on individuals. In other words, if you have this gift, you may not be a conduit for what God wants to do the way he works in this person. Does that make sense? Last week we talked at different ways and different healings. And we're going to see that for the next couple of gifts. We're going to see this plural uh, plurality that's, that's built into these gifts. This is one of the gifts, by the way, along with all the other ones, that Paul tells us to earnestly desire, to pursue after. So if, if Paul tells us to pursue after this gift then what Jesus said to the Pharisees and the scribes does not apply to us. Amen? Y'all think about that. Get back to me when, you, when you've thought about it a little bit, okay? I'm not trying to lead you into a, a corner. I'm just showing you what the Word of God says. Context is critical in Scripture. I was taught that by every professor I ever had in Bible college and seminary. If you don't have a context, you have a pretext. That's what they told me. Okay, the context is important when you interpret Scripture. Jesus was talking to unbelievers when he said, don't pursue after that. He wasn't talking to believers. Paul says pursue earnestly spiritual gifts. And you know what? If you, your pursuit, if you pursue them earnestly, you know what might happen? Miraculous things might happen. They might follow where you go. You pursue, after, you, you pursue God and you pursue after the gifts he's given you. And you know what? He'll take care of the rest of it. But we don't have to worry. We don't have to, we don't have to lay awake at night and, 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 and be afraid of miraculous things happening. Okay? We prepare ourselves. We step out in faith when he tells us to do something. And it's up to him. We're conduits. I'm going to use that word a lot today. We're conduits. We don't manufacture these things. We carry his glory. He does it. Like the gifts of healings, as I mentioned a little earlier, the gift of miracles is plural in the Greek. And it carries the idea of a multiplicity of effects or a, a wide range of outworking. In other words, a lot of different things can happen. Some, some people may, and we'll talk about this a little later, we'll get specific about this, but, but some people may work in this area and some in this area. And those two areas, you know, they never see the same thing happen. As the gifts of healing, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's God sovereignly working when and where he chooses, how he chooses to work. In other words, you just don't rub your fingers together and go, you know what, let's see a miracle today. That's not how it works. God, God impresses on your mind that he wants to do something. And you say, okay, God, I'm, I'm your conduit. And he works. That's how this gift works. In fact, that's really how all the gifts work. This gift doesn't occur when a gifted person decides they want to do something. It's subject to the divine will of God. A person may actually perform the miracle, but it's God who provides the power to do it. Okay? So it's God. 
Remember our definition of a, of a spiritual gift is the Holy Spirit manifesting himself through you in a specific way. And that's what this gift is. So let's, let's kind of define the gift a little bit. And then we'll look at, at, uh, at what it is and, and how it works. It, the gift of, or the gifts of miracles, it's hard to say this because in English we don't, <laughs> we don't speak this way. But in the Greek, the gifts of miracles is a supernatural ability from God to serve as an intermediary, to serve as a conduit for God to perform powerful acts that are perceived by the people who observe it to have altered the ordinary course of nature. In other words, they set the laws of nature aside in a sense when something like this happened. It's not natural. It's supernatural. Okay? And there's no question. There's no you know, hocus pocus or anything like that, it, it, there's, an, it, there's a supernatural event that's taking place. And this supernatural event or ability is used by God to arouse people's awe and wonder. When they see it, they know God is present. There, there's no other excuse, no other explanation for it other than God's here. And God bears witness of himself as he does it. Now, very often... The miracles that, that, that we're talking about with this gift are contrary to nature. They go against what's natural and what's normal, okay? Any of you know what I'm talking about? I mean, it just, it just defies explanation. We're going to look at a few of those in a moment. The working of these miracles could be understood as affecting or achieving, or as the effect or the achievements of the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's an important word that we need to understand. The power of the Holy Spirit. The Greek term that's used in this for the gift of miracles or powers is dunamis. Okay? And you've heard me talk about dunamis before. Dunamis is the power of of God. It's critical for us to understand what it means in the New Testament. Its basic meaning is a, a capability or a capacity to do something. But the Holy Spirit took control of this word, okay? He took this word from, from Koine Greek, the Greek that was spoken by, by the common people of Jesus' day. He took this word and he made it his own. All right. He, he, he used it over and over and over to describe the miracle working powers in which Jesus ministered in. And if you read Luke, Luke writes the book of Luke and he writes the, 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 the book of Acts. In Luke and Acts, you can substitute power for Holy Spirit every time you see the word Holy Spirit. Or you can substitute the Holy Spirit for the word power every time you see the power. And you don't do any damage to the text. It means the very same thing. And so when, when Luke thinks of, 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 of the Holy Spirit, he thinks of, of the, the third person of the Godhead who is the power, the display of God's power. And this is the power, Scripture says, that Jesus moved in. This was the power that Jesus ministered in. This was what he preached and what he taught in. So the power that Jesus possessed and he freely gave to his disciples was linked with the gifts of the Holy Spirit or, li or, or linked with the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the power source. Okay? We have a power source in this building. Alright? It's not the plugs. 
They're important. That's what, what we plug our, our appliances and our, our musical instruments and our sound system into. But the power source is on the pole, and it's, that's not the power source. It goes back to the, the coal plants and the water plants where they generate the power. You know where our power comes? It doesn't come from our strength. It comes from the Holy Spirit. He is the source of this dunamis, this power. And so the dunamis is the living, the power of the living Lord Jesus in action. And that's what the Holy Spirit does in us and does through us. The the word dynamite comes from this Greek word dunamis. I mean, you, you, you put some sticks of dynamite together and and However you decide to make them go off, you know what happens? An explosion takes place. There's a demonstration of power. Dunamis is the power or the capability that believers have been given to exercise the authority of God on this planet. God didn't just give us authority. He gave us power. We've got permission and we've got power. All right? When you have permission... When you don't have permission, the power is worthless. Amen? How many of you have jobs where you have responsibility, but you don't have the authority to make that responsibility get done? You ever been in a situation like that? It's frustrating. All the pressure's on you, but you don't have any authority to, 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 to make happen what you're expected to make happen. God didn't leave his children that way. He gave us his authority to use his power. Okay? So if we're not using his power, we're living in disobedience. Amen? I ain't get much out of you, but it's still true. All right? It's still true. Now, he's given us permission to use that that power, that dunamis. And, And this power is superior to the power of the devil and superior to the demonic realm. It's Jesus' intention and it's Jesus' uh, uh, purpose that we exercise his power so that we could continue his activities until he returns. All right? Jesus showed us how to do it. How to, how to live life. How to walk in the spirit. How to live as, 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 as kingdom uh, children, sons and daughters. He showed us how to do it. He gave us the source of power we would need to do it. Now he expects us to do it. All right? How many of you mamas and daddies chew your food up for your children? Okay? How many of you walk for your kids? Talk for your kids? No, we, we, may, we may help them out as they're learning to walk. But you know what? They have to learn to eat on their own. They have to learn to walk. They have, to, they have to learn to take care of themselves because what happens if we don't teach them to do that when they become adults, we've got 250-pound babies who can't do anything for themselves. They don't know what, they just grunt. <clears throat> and we know what the grunt means and, and we do what they want. Well, that's not how it works in the kingdom of God. You can grunt all you want. But you know what? God's not going to do it for you. Because he's giving you power and authority to do it for yourself. I'm talking to some people this morning, okay? God will not do for you what he has already given you the ability, the power, and the authority to do for yourself. 
Okay? He's given us his dunamis. He's given us his power so that, that, that we could, as at, one of our main purposes, could be what one of Christ's main purposes was. In 1 John 3, 8, it tells us that one of the main purposes Jesus came was to destroy the works of the devil. Now, I want to ask you an honest question. Do you think all of that got finished? Which world are y'all living in? I'm living in a world where jihadists are cutting the throats of believers. I'm living in a world where, where uh, child abusers are on the, the news every day. I'm living in a world where they're gunning each other down in the streets. So the power of the devil, the works of the devil are still taking place. Guess what God has left us here for? <coughs> We are to destroy the works of the devil. Dunamis is, is the axe of power that it takes to invade the kingdom of darkness, to invade the demonic realm. You know, listen to me. When we exercise this kind of power, demonic forces are defeated and they run. Okay? They get out. And you know what? They did that in Jesus' day, and nothing has changed in our day. We need his power to protect, and we need his power to preserve the community, the church. And you know what? This power is inherent in every one of us. Every one of us that know Jesus. Yet the Holy Spirit dispenses and he mediates that power as he chooses. And in some, he sovereignly gives the gifts of miracles. He doesn't give it to all of us. But you know what? We all have the capability. The potential is work through us. But to some, he gives this gift. And it's the ability to do supernatural works or to move in supernatural power. And like I said, this gift covers a broad range of supernatural events that most of us would term miraculous. I want to give you, I want to kind of walk through a couple of areas. Just ask yourself for a moment, how did this gift manifest itself in Jesus? And, and how did it manifest in the early church? Well, I think about in the Gospel of John, Jesus turns water to wine. Now, is that supernatural? Okay, I'm going to ask that question again. Y'all are, y'all, are, y'all are about a half mile behind me. I've gotten too far out ahead, obviously, okay? When Jesus turned water to wine, was that miraculous? Yes. Yes. Okay. Now, we know that he only did what the Father told him to do. Right? Or what he heard the Father or saw the Father do. We know that he did what he did through the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? Okay. So it was was a miraculous event. He, 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 He multiplied bread and fishes. A little boy shows up. He's got... He's got... A handful of fish and a couple of loaves of little loaves of bread. When he says that, he's, he's they're smaller than hot dog buns. Okay, it's not like they're this long. He's got them tucked under his arm. And Jesus takes that little bit and he multiplies it. it a miraculous event took place. I have a friend, and if I mentioned his name, most of you would know him. But he was for a while. He was taking a group of 
of college-age kids, and they would go down to Birmingham, and they would minister in the parks to the homeless people. Very often they would take coats or they would take blankets, but this particular time they had taken a couple of buckets of chicken. They were going to feed the homeless folks. And so when they get there, based on their you know, experiences before, there's usually a, a handful of them. Well, this night there was a lot more people there than they had chicken. Two buckets, okay? Maybe 20 pieces. And he just, he said, man, I knew we were in trouble. We didn't have enough chicken. There were a lot of hungry people. And he says, so we just prayed and we started handing out chicken. And we kept handing out chicken. And we kept handing out chicken. And we kept handing out chicken until the last person got a piece of chicken. And then we reached into the bucket and there was nothing there. Now, that's a miracle. Because there were more people there than he had chicken. Amen? I've heard countless stories from believers like that. I have seen something similar happen in in a, in a situation where there was enough, even though there wasn't enough. I, I know a, a guy who, who takes shoes, and he travels all over the world, and, and, and they have them sized out, and they know how many they've got because they have to pay tax when they go through custom. And they got to a village, and they didn't have enough shoes, and they knew it, and they didn't have any of this size, but every kid that came that needed this size got a pair of shoes. Okay? That's God. That's the same kind of miracle that Jesus did when he multiplied the fish and the bread. There was a miracle took place. There was miraculous multiplication. Jesus also performed miracles that, that, you know, that was a power over matter. Okay? But he also performed miracles that, that overrode the laws of nature. He walked on the water. He, he spoke to the wind. He spoke to the storm. He spoke to the, the waves. Listen, I have witnessed storms breaking apart after someone spoke to them or dis, dispensed. I mean, they just disappeared. I've shared this with you before, but we did a service in a church I served in before at the Civic Center, an Easter service, and man, it was bad weather, and there was a tremendous storm coming. It was supposed to hit right when the Easter service was supposed to take place. And you know what? We prayed. And you can watch it on radar. The storm split. It went around Birmingham. It came back together on the Homewood side and went on. That's God. That's a miraculous event. And listen, when a storm's coming my way, I go out on the porch and I speak to it. You say, Nelson, you're nuts. Well, my house is still where it is. And I'm still there. Okay? I've been to Germany. It rained the whole time we were there, except for just a few minutes when we were supposed to have a a deal for for people that were in the park to eat with us. We prayed. It quit raining. The people came. They left. It started raining again. Okay? I've seen this happen. Listen, God is looking for people who will speak who will be his partners, who will, who will step out in a place regardless of what anybody else thinks and believe he will do what he says he, do, he will do. And when he, do, when he finds somebody like that, listen, the, the atmosphere spear gets pregnant with miracles. And when we step out in faith and when we speak, God moves. 
Jesus knew that that wind and that storm and those waves were not to deter him. He knew that, uh, that he, had a, he had business on the other side when he walked across that water. See, the Father was working. Listen, Jesus and his disciples and even the early church raised people from the dead. And listen, if you read contemporary articles today from missionaries all over the world, that is still going on. I, have a, I read a specific instance where th- there was two sisters that had been hit by lightning. And their, I believe it was their brother, their uncle, he was a believer. He took off running. And it was, I don't know, five or six, seven miles. It took him a long time to get there. They already put lime on these two young people. Per, they already prepared them to bury They were dead. They, didn't, they hadn't gone to sleep. They weren't stunned. They were dead. And, and the missionary came back with this young man, and they began to pray. And you know what happened? They began to blow lime out of their nose, and they got up, and they're alive. Okay? Those kind of things are still happening. We've been rocked to sleep in America not to believe that the Bible is still taking place. Okay? What took place in the New Testament is taking place today. The book of Acts does not end. All right? It does not end. It, it's still ongoing. The last word is an, is an adverb, I think, is, is correct. I may be wrong there, but it's, it's as though the door is still open for the Holy Spirit to continue to work. We are a continuation of the church there in Acts. Resurrections took place. Peter used God, uh, was used by God to bring forth a miracle of judgment uh, in the lives of Ananias and Sapphira. You can read that in Acts chapter 5. They lied to the Holy Spirit. Paul spoke a, a a word of judgment on Elimus the magician, and God struck him blind. Boom, he could see, and boom, he could not see. Acts chapter 5, or excuse me, Acts 13. And then Ananias, God told Ananias to go to Saul, who would become the Apostle Paul. He said, you know what? He's sitting in a house. He's praying. He's as blind as a bat. He can't see anything. I want you to lay your hands on him. I've blinded him. I want you to lay your hands on him and pray. And when you do, he'll get his sight back. Ananias just goes and does what God tells him to do. And all of a sudden, he gets his sight back in Acts chapter 9. Now, those, those are miraculous aspects of this gift as i was studying this gift and and one of the things i love about study is i learn things every time every time i learn things that i didn't know i don't care what i mean it may be something i've studied over and over and over and as i was studying about the gift of miracles The early church, the first century, second century, third century church, they believed that one aspect, until I began to read some of the things that the early church fathers wrote, they believed that casting out demons in Jesus' name, deliverance, exorcism, was was one manifestation of this gift. And I I read that, I was just stunned there for a minute. And I began to to, uh, consider, you know, it's a direct confrontation. It's an invasion of the kingdom of light into the kingdom of darkness. And listen to me, only the power of Jesus Christ can make a demonic spirit flee. 
All right? I, I know some of you, nah, you don't believe that stuff. Listen, I believe that stuff. I have seen this particular aspect of this gift happen over and over and over. I have looked eyeball to eyeball in a person in whom were demonic spirits and the spirit were looking back at me and it, it, it made my blood run cold. It was evil beyond evil that you can imagine. Evil so black and dark you could smell it, you could feel it. Malevolence, wickedness. And I have seen at the name of Jesus, I have seen that spirit become fearful and leave. Now that doesn't happen just because I tell something to leave. Okay? That happens because the, in, the power, the dunamis of Jesus Christ came to bear there. Jesus came. And you know what? It was either kneel, die, or run. And they ran. Okay? I'm just, I'm just telling you that, 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 that it's raw, miraculous power. That's one aspect. I had never even thought about that. I have seen people that were so messed up they couldn't function. And at the name of Jesus, they began to get free. And all of a sudden, they were totally different than the way they came in. You say, well, Nelson, that doesn't happen. Listen, you, you can say whatever you want. I've been there. And I don't care what any pastor says. I don't care what any teacher says. I don't care. You want to know why I believe all the gifts are present now? Because I have seen them in operation. And I have seen the power of the Holy Spirit at work. All right? Most of the people that argue against what I'm talking about have learned what they learned in the library of the seminary. One of the, the most heart wrenching things you will ever hear is when a pastor calls you and says could you help these people I don't know what to do and I don't I'm not saying that to, to down that pastor he was honest he said man I don't know what to do I said well what's going on I said well you know what that to do that he didn't believe that was real until he saw it with his own eyes until he was in a room with it by himself okay I'm a little passionate about this. Okay? I'm a little passionate about this. The reality of it is, the devil doesn't care whether you believe it or not. He's real. And he's destroying people's lives. And, and, and you know what? I've seen this gift in action. I've seen it used. I've seen the power, the dunamis of God. The, the, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead come and overwhelm the enemy and the enemy flee. Now, I'm going to move on, okay, because I realize that you just can't stand but a little bit of this right now, all right? And I'll get excited and say something I don't need to say. You say, well, give us some examples. I don't give examples because those things... You don't need to know about. All right? That's between that person and God. But I'm here to tell you, I've seen it. And once you see it, you've seen it. You don't ever forget it. Okay? You don't, it don't, I don't care. I, I'm just telling you, when you've seen it, you've seen it. And I'm here to tell you that the power of Jesus Christ is beyond powerful. 
All right? Beyond. I can't even describe it. Nothing comes near. And when it comes into a room or it comes into a person's life, there is a change that takes place. When God touches you with that power, you are changed or you die. Okay? That's just, that's just the way it is. Now, very often this gift, and we'll move on. Very often this gift or the gift of miracles, when it begins to manifest, the person will, will be moved with, with, with compassion. Really deep compassion. Or they will see a situation and, and they become angry. And I don't mean angry in a bad way. I mean angry in a God kind of way. In a situation where they see what's happening. They understand that the enemy is destroying this individual or this situation. And they become angry. When Jesus lay, raised Lazarus from the dead. The Bible tells us that he felt a great love. A great compassion for this family. I mean Jesus wept. He cried. Wept doesn't mean he shed a tear. A, a tear rolled down his eye. What family was going through. It broke his heart what death and the grave were doing. And, and literally it also says that he became angry. It, the, the Bible says. I, I'm trying to think of the exact word. But it, it literally means he snorted like a war horse. You ever, had a, 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 you ever heard a horse that was mad snort? Okay, that's the, that's the emotions Jesus was experiencing. And so usually in that moment, there's a manifestation of this, uh, this gift, but also the gift of faith that will accompany the miracles. And by that I mean that, that literally a person will be overwhelmed with an absolute conviction that God is about to do something at this very moment. You just know it. If you're not sure, guess what? This gift's not manifesting. All right? But if you know beyond knowing, you know that you know that you know, then this gift may be about to manifest in your life. And at that moment, there's an act of obedience. The person says, okay, God, whatever you want to do, and they speak the words or they perform the act, whatever or both, and then what happens is a miracle takes place, just like that. Most people with this gift are very hypersensitive to the spirit. Okay? They, they sense his presence. They sense his power. Uh, they just know that they know. And, and, and very often, you know what that comes from? That comes from a lifestyle of personal pursuit. That comes from having an intimate relationship with God. And it comes from the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. These kind of people act on the slightest provocation of the Spirit. If the, if the Spirit of God goes, yes, what do you want? What can I do? It's just like that. You ever, you ever sense that the Spirit of God wanted to do something? Some of us, he has to go. Amen. Y'all know what I'm talking about, okay? Some of us, he has to... Now, he doesn't do that, but it, it's like we almost, he almost has to shove us or slap us. Not these folks. It's just, it's just a nudge. It's just, they, they just know. And it's because he usually works with gentle impressions. And you know what? Most of us ignore the gentle impressions. But as we walk a little closer to God, 
those gentle impressions begin to be more profound. We begin to sense them. So that's why our relationship with God, our, our intimacy with God needs to grow. It needs to be more. That's why we need to worship during the week on our own. That may be in your car with your radio on. It may be on the back porch. It may be in the bathroom. It may be in your bedroom with the door shut. It may just be when you walk to the mailbox. But that's when you meet with God a little bit. And you worship Him. And you begin to talk to Him. And what happens is, guess what? Your heart becomes more sensitive to what He's doing. When we just wait to show up on Sunday and sing, you know what? He could shove us down the steps and we wouldn't know it was Him. All right? I'm just, you know, I know that's a step beyond probably. (laughs) But what happens is they make themselves available to listen to God when he whispers. So that's what Jesus did. Son, I'm going to turn that water to wine today. Okay, Father. Son, you see that man over there at that pool? I need you to step over all those other people that are laying around him and Talk to him. See that blind boy over there on the the blanket? I need you to go over and talk to him. Just, it's that simple. And he did it. He did it. He was tuned in. When I was a kid, we had transistor radios. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of you do. Some of you have no clue. Give glory to God. You don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) We we had Walkmans, but they wasn't the kind of Walkmans or, or, you know, Apple... Uh, devices that we have now. And you had AM and you had FM. You still have AM and FM. The AM stations were the most powerful then. But you constantly were having to tune to stay on the station. You get over here and turn this way, you have to tune a little bit. Turn this way. See, that's what we have to do with the Holy Spirit. We have to constantly be tuning into the wavelength that He's speaking of. It's easy to get distracted by all kinds of things. Most of us live in a world where it's squirrel. Amen? I mean, we, we, there's a squirrel we walk, you know. We've got to learn to, to tune in. And when we tune in, his voice becomes clear. And it becomes, you know, compelling. If I don't hear him, I don't know. If, I don't, if I'm not listening, I don't hear him, and I don't know what to do in a situation. So someone that, that has this gift and knows it tends to hear God because they spend the time that they need to to learn what his voice speaks like. He, he speaks plainly when he gets ready to move. He, he, he is. He, he doesn't shout, but he speaks very plainly. And he speaks where those who are listening attentively can hear. See, a lot of us have gifts that he wants to use, but we're not listening. So he can't work through us. Something else about these people, his sovereignty, the sovereignty of God, you know what that is? God does what he wants to for reasons that he wants to. That's a good, simple definition. That doesn't bother them. They don't walk around asking, well, God, why'd you work here and you didn't work over there? Why, God, when I prayed here, nothing happened, but when I prayed over there, it happened. They don't do that. They just go, yes, God. And they do what they're supposed to do, and they leave God's business to God. 
They understand that their job is to be a conduit through which his power can flow. They accept what God says in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. God says this, he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You know what? Sometimes God just says, do it. And he doesn't explain. Sometimes his parents. There were, there, when, I was a, when, when, when my daughter was home, there were times when I would tell her to do things that she knew she could ask me, why? Now, I didn't have that growing up. Okay? When my dad said, do it, why was not one of the words you ever responded with? Yes, sir. That's pretty much it. As a parent, I did it a little different. And, and so she could ask me, and I would explain to her, because it was a teaching moment. But there were times when I said, do it, that she could tell by the tone of my voice that she just needed to do it. One of those times, we were coming home from band practice, and we were going, uh, if, if you know where the old Hughes Egg Farm used to be, on Self Creek Road, you go through an underpass. Okay? And in that underpass, we were in the time, and a bat came flying in the side of the truck. Well, I saw the bat, and I heard it flopping around behind my head. And by that time, we're out of the tunnel, and I'm screaming, get out, get out, get out. And she's going, why, why, why? And I just left her in there. Okay? When it was all over, I said, look, there are going to be times when I don't have time to tell you why. Just do what I say. Okay? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Listen, God never explains why most of the time. He just says, do this. Say this. Go over there. Meet this person. Do this. Do that. Why? Because his ways are not the way we would do it. I mean, if I was going to heal somebody at a, at a, at, at a pool where miracles, I would have said, hey, y'all gather around. God's about to do something here. That's not what he did. He doesn't do it the way we think he should. His, we don't think like he thinks. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. Now, usually, and I'm going I'm to close Usually a person with this gift also carries a very high level of the gift of faith. Okay? They can believe when God tells them to do something that they know intellectually is impossible. But they have the, the, the capacity because the Spirit of God's put it in them to believe God will do it. They're able to believe and they're able to act on what they hear without questioning, without doubting, or without needing logical explanations. They're willing to risk. They're willing to risk to see God move, to see God reveal himself, to see God draw people to faith through Jesus Christ. You know what happens? Very often miracles tend to happen when the gospel is preached. And by that, I don't just mean people are saved. That's, that is a tremendous miracle, the greatest miracle. But other miracles tend to happen when, when God's word goes forth. We see that from time to time on mission trips. 
We see it rarely here. Why? Because we just don't believe God wants to work. See, we, we've tied his hands with our belief systems. Now, I want to say this, and I'm going to close with this. This gift is not a circus sideshow, okay? This gift is not to impress. It's not an avenue for, for you or me to get to become prominent or popular or to gain power or to get on the, the, the Christian TV circuit, okay? That's not what this gift's for. Miracles don't play place for shock and awe. They're, they're, they're demonstrations of the depths of God's love for people that he loves, whether it's his children or people who have come, yet come to know him. Let me tell you something. When you, when, you, when you minister to somebody who is demonized and they get free, they don't have any question whether or not God loves them. All right? That question is settled forever. And so when this gift is in operation, God's manifesting his, his love and, 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 and it displays God's power and his magnificence. Miracles validate Jesus, okay? And they validate Jesus' message. They don't validate his messengers, all right? It's his message and him. We need this gift, okay? The body of Christ as a whole needs this gift. Because God's got some things he still wants to do. Some things that, that would rival what takes place in the book of Acts. He just needs some people who are willing to be conduits. Who are willing to step out and say, God, whatever you want me to say, whatever you want me to pray, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. And then leave the rest to him. Let's pray. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.